Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. I want you to pay very close attention to the brief reading of the Word as we look at the Scripture as it relates to a very relevant situation. Our heart goes out to the people of Colorado, as Brother Bill has already said. And we don't wait to get to church to pray for them. Prayers began immediately in that horrible, horrible situation. But people are frightened. They're afraid. They don't know what to do, where to go. They don't know what's going to happen in our country, what's happening in our world, uh, what's happening to our families, what's happening to our young people, what's happening to our economy. I mean, you go on and on with the list. But God's Word speaks to that. And I want you to listen very closely as we stand. I'm going to read from Isaiah 54, Isaiah 41, and 2 Timothy 1.7. Would you please stand? And I will read out loud the Scripture. The key text is Isaiah 41.10. But I want to give you two others, one on either side. One from last week and then one that I want to read from Isaiah 54.17 before we turn to the other text. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Now drop back to the 41st chapter of Isaiah. I want to read to you from verse 10. This is our key text of the morning. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yea, I will help you, yea, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. And then from 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. May God bless the reading of his word, and would you be seated. If we did nothing more than read the text today, we would not have wasted our time. Because the scripture is so very, very clear to those that would say, I don't understand the Bible. I've tried to read it and I just don't understand it. Well, I will say this to you. If you know the author, it's a lot easier to understand than if you don't. But if you don't, it still is truth. And it still speaks clearly and so many instances that are so relevant to your life. The text today is one of those situations. How would, you how would you finish a sentence that went, I'm afraid of, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of the economy? Are you afraid of the weather? I'm afraid of the hurricane. You know, it's hurricane season. Every day I hear, it's hurricane season, so what? You know? Well, I'm just afraid of the crime that is everywhere. I, I'm afraid of the traffic. 
I'm afraid, to, I'm afraid to fly. I'm afraid to swim. I'm afraid to run. I'm afraid to walk. I'm afraid to stand. I'm afraid to sit. I mean, it's kind of not much left for you to do, is there? You know, I'm afraid to eat that stuff. I mean, I mean, we just always, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And what does the Bible say? Fear thou not. Fear thou not. It's pretty clear there. There is a passage of Scripture that every person ought to mark in their Bible to read often. It is Psalm, not 23, although it's a good one too, but you already got that one marked. How about 46? Listen to this little short psalm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. But he uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our refuge. And don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. Now, first of all, it's very important to know who was all these scriptures written to? Us, God's people. Israel, the people of God, the chosen of God, the saved of God, the redeemed of God. See, when we pray our Father who art in heaven, it puts us in an airship. We are heirs according to his promise. No weapon is formed against us to prosper. This is not spoken to a nation. It is spoken to a people, a people who are heirs of God and joined heirs with Jesus Christ because at some point in time in their life they came to the cross and there Jesus spoke to their life personally and they listened. And when they listened they were willing to repent of their sin and repent does not mean I just said I'm sorry. Repent means they turned around their life changed. They died to a past and they took on a new life. You have not repented when you just told God you did it. And I try to tell you this in case you haven't heard it. God didn't, you didn't have to tell God you did it. He knew you did it. He's glad to hear you admit it because you're on the right trail. But now if you admit you're going in the wrong direction, what's the next thing you ought to do? You ought to turn around. You ought to repent and come to him, right? And so that is the message that God wants us to hear. I want you to notice that throughout the Bible that fear is just a natural spiritual, I'm going to call it a disease, because it just eats away at you. The more frightened you are about stuff, the harder you are to live with, to be around, to be a friend of. Matter of fact, you, go, you find yourself going into other rooms trying to get away from the person that was in that room you just came out of, and you were the only person in the room. But have you ever been around somebody on an airplane that hates to fly? Was that not the most miserable trip you ever had in your life? Looking not only on the engine on their side of the airplane, but the one on the other side of the airplane. Always asking you, now where are those doors? Where are those doors? Well, where are you going? You know, we're up here at 40,000 feet. I don't plan to go anywhere. You know, I would want to stay right here. You know, wherever that pilot goes, that's where I want to go. But it is a disease, and though it is natural, 
God says, don't do it. He says, fear thou not. And he says in Isaiah 41, 13, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying unto you, Fear not, for I will help you. Ooh, that's good. How much do you charge? No charge. All paid for. It's on your account, credited by the blood of the Lord Jesus. Now, there is one exception about fear. The Bible says in Psalms 111, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you fear God, you don't need to fear anything else. Because as the psalmist said, God is our refuge and God is our strength. If you look at this disease that I'm calling it, of fear, it goes all the way back to the beginning of God's creation. Do you remember the story? God made Adam and Eve. They had a wonderful relationship, but something happened. What happened? Sin came. Now, when sin came to Adam and Eve, their fear appeared. And you will remember in Genesis 3.10, you'll remember that Adam always welcomed God when he took his walk in the garden until he and his wife decided they would disobey. From that moment, he feared God. And in Genesis 3.10, you remember these words to the Lord? I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. That's where it originated. That sin that we all inherited when we were born is also likened to fear that we inherited as well. Babies are frightened many times. They're easy to, to scare. Children are easily alarmed because this is in their nature. Sin brings fear until that is all worked out. And sin, excuse me, fear will continue as long as sin continues. As long as you're walking in sin, the more you're going to fear. God's going to get me. If I don't change, God's going to get me. Why don't you change? And then God can bless you. God can lead you. He can comfort you. He can uphold you with his right hand. But you see that fear keeps eating and eating and eating. 1 John 4, 18 says, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. You see how clear the scripture is? You've got a fear problem, you've got a relation problem. What's the relation problem? With God. You do not understand that as long as you walk in disobedience of an all-powerful, sovereign God who knows not only your steps, but the thoughts of your very mind, as long as you live in that area having never taken your sins and put them under the blood of Jesus you'll have to deal with this problem of fear first John 1 9 if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness did you know that scripture is written to Christians if you'll really study it see Christian people get just as frightened of everything as lost people do 
when they begin to drift away from the truth of God's word. Fear in the life of a sinner can always find food to live on. They will come in the area of health issues, relational issues, financial issues, environmental issues, government issues. I mean, you just name it. There's plenty of stuff out there to fear. When you listen and see and, and read of what's happening in our world, there's certainly a lot of things out there. If you don't have the mind of Christ, but you have the mind of a sinner, that will cause you to live your life in bitterness, helplessness, and for some of you, hopelessness. You see, when you are living in sin, you look at a heart that's prone to wonder. I know I'm talking to a lot of people today that have many times sung that song, prone, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You see, it's always there. Always coming back. When Satan came after Jesus' baptism and tempted him, he threatened him. If you don't do this, then this is not going to happen. But God, Jesus never wavered because the Father took care of him. Have you ever noticed that people don't drift into church? They drift into sin. Have you ever noticed that? You say, why are you here today? Well, I just drifted in. You know, well, I understand you're, you're alcoholic now. How'd that get started? Gradually. Just sort of drifted. I, I don't know why I don't come to church anymore. I don't know why I don't give anymore. I don't know why I don't serve anymore. You know, it just kind of came over a period of time. You know, when you're not anchored to the solid rock or when you're not hooked to the Lord Jesus Christ walking in his footsteps, you're going to drift. And I guarantee you, you don't drift to do right. And you don't drift to do what you ought to do. You drift away from that. And it's so easy to forget that those that are saved are born again and old things have passed away and all things have become new. I give you this scripture continually because every time I give it, there are a lot of people that hear it the first time they ever heard it. Galatians 2.20. By the way, this is ought to be your spiritual electric chair. You ought to get up every morning, have a chair at your house, learn to quote this verse, call it your spiritual electric chair, 220. If you don't know what the 220 is, forget about it, okay? Talk to the electrician. All right, he'll, he'll explain what I'm trying to tell you. But get in your chair and plug in the 220. Are you ready for this? I'm crucified with Christ. Hadn't even gotten out the door of the house yet. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Now let's go face today. If I live, I live unto the Lord. If I die, I die unto the Lord. Don't make any difference. Come on, devil. Let's get it on. <laughs> and, you, and you can just tantalize him and then just run and say, God, sick him. Get him. <laughs> like running home from school when you get in a fight in the... In the in the playground, you know, run home. Run in the back door screaming, Mama, 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 Daddy, 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 and run in your bedroom, get under the bed. They'll take care of it. They'll take care of it. Amen. Despondent people can find excuses to fear when there's no reason to fear. Have you ever been around those kind of people? 
Oh, my goodness, you have. Oh, goodness. They do make life miserable, don't they? I'm just afraid what I just ate is going to... Well, I'm sorry, friend. But you have already ate it. <laughs> and for you to be afraid of it not doing the right thing, you should have been afraid before you ate it. And if you're afraid of flying, you need to have that fear settled on the ground. Because when you get up there, you are up there. And the devil will remind you of the scripture, and lo, I am with you always. And you'll say, I know I should have gone back to the terminal. Somebody taught me a long time ago. I'm sure I didn't think of this because we don't think of anything. Somebody's told us everything we know. But somebody told me that there's two things you shouldn't fear. First of all, don't fear the things you can do something about. Don't lay in bed at night afraid you didn't lock the front door. 30 seconds will take care of that. And, and don't, the second thing you, you don't fear is things you can't do anything about. So where does fear fit in the formula? Satan, if he can just keep you, keep you frightened. If you get up to bat, if you play baseball and you're afraid you're going to strike out, just go ahead and sit down. Just say, I'm going to strike out, so let's move the ball game on. Put an out on the scoreboard and I'll go play in the dugout or something. But we look around today and we wonder, well, is this just me? No, it's not just you. Oh, I could give you a bunch of scriptures. I'm just going to give you two. Go back in the Bible and look at all the characters in the Bible. Uh, fear can cause you to doubt your salvation, that's for sure. But let me take you back to Job 19, 25. Job said, I know my Redeemer lives, and he'll stand in the latter day upon the earth. Was Job ever discouraged? Did he ever have anything to be afraid of? Certainly he did. Did he know how to deal with it? Yes, he did. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. He said, I might die, but he's going to live. Do, do you remember uh, 1 John 5, 13? These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Why would a person fear their salvation if you know who your Redeemer is? And why would you doubt your salvation when the Scripture says you can know that you have eternal life and you're passed from death unto life? You say, well, how do you know? I'm glad you asked that question because in just a few moments now, we're going to open a huge lobby out here where you can go and get that question answered. How can I know that I'm a believer, born again, child of God? Don't fear it. Don't worry. None of us know what another day is going to bring. Dale Larson sitting over here, and he and I came back from Bernie yesterday right in front of us. You know, it says easy tag, you know, out on the freeway. Right in front of us, there was a horrific wreck. Just a few uh, hundred yards down the highway. So bad that everybody on the right side, incoming bound on Beltway 8, had to turn around and do a U-turn on one side, including 18-wheelers. If you don't think that was a mess. But I thought about that this morning on the way in here. When they went through that easy tag, they didn't realize just a few yards ahead tragedy is going to hit. None of us know what another day is going to bring. 
But you know what? If you know that you know that you've been born again, you don't need to fear one thing because to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. And when you move out, we're moving up. We know. What did Paul say? He simply said, it's better for me to go on. It's better for you to stay around. Don't fear. Don't fear. I encourage you today, if you're a born-again believer, to live above your fears. Those strong in the Lord, like David wrestled. You remember he took down Goliath? Look at 2 Samuel 21, 15. Now he's up against the Philistine. Now he was a young boy, took down the giant. He's a teenager, took down Goliath. And then he's facing the Philistines. And here's what he says. 2 Samuel 21, 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. The Philistines wore King David out. Go over and look at Elijah. You remember as he had stood and a fire had come down and the 400 uh, false prophets of Baal were out watching and he stood as a mighty man of God and then a woman, one woman named Jezebel got after him and he took off. He was scared to death of that woman. 1 Kings 19, 4 and 5. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. That's Job. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, I want you to watch this. Behold, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. You notice how God wasn't very sympathetic? Just get that picture. I mean, he's got his funeral plan. He's ready to go. He's ready to just give up. You know, I'm through. I'd rather die. And God just up there said, I'm sorry, Bubba. I ain't through with you yet. Now, you get up off your seat and get on your feet. And you get on with your life. That's what he told him. Now, that's kind of southern stuff there. You can't find that in the translation. But that's what the angel told him said, I'm not going to feel sorry for you. Why should God feel sorry for any of us? <laughs> he knows who we are. He knows what he's done for us and what he's going to do for us. He doesn't have one lick of sympathy for us when we have our pity parties. You can send out invitations and he don't come. <laughs> you know why he doesn't come? You know, why you, don't send him an you know why you don't need to send him an invitation? He's already there. He's already there. He's been through everything you've been through right with you. And he said, I'm not going to leave you, and I'm not going to forsake you, but our work is not finished. You cannot say, as Jesus did on the cross, it is finished until you take your last breath. And even after that, life can influence many that passed your way. God has always used people to drive, or excuse me, God has, God has ways he can use people to drive us back to the cross. He also has other ways to drive us back to the cross. But the task and the assignment is get back to the cross and the blood and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no reason, none to fear. It's a good time 
to quote Galatians 2.20 again. David in the 23rd Psalm, verse 4, said something else. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fill in the blank, I will fear no evil. Why? Thou art with me. Your rod, your staff, they'll comfort me. See, David knew the answer, and if you know the Lord, you know the answer. But we sometimes want to be like the world because they get a lot of attention, don't they? They get a lot of sympathy, don't they? They, they, they have a way of just milking people out of everything, you know. But God's not into that business. God says, I got an assignment for you, and you're not getting out of it till you get it done. And then when you get it done, I'm going to promote you. And there'll be no more death, no more tears, no more heartache. The former things are passed away, and all things will become new. Now as I close, Isaiah 41.10. Don't forget those first three words, fear thou not. Not even a little bit, preacher. You just don't know how people have been treating me. You just don't know my peculiar situation. Well, the scripture says we are a peculiar people. And we get ourselves in peculiar situations. And the peculiar situation we're talking about today is that we are so peculiar, we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. And faith is going to conquer our fear because that is what covers a multitude of problems. Well, can't I just do it a little bit? No, you can't. Why not? Because it's sinful. You mean to fear is sinful? Yeah. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, power, and of love, and of a sound mind. And that sound mind means discipline. You discipline yourself, you won't be afraid of so much stuff. If you discipline yourself, you won't get yourself in some situations that you're afraid now you're not going to ever get out of. Fear usually re results from unbelief. I ask you a question, how do you think God feels? Based on your experience in life. If you tell people the truth, and you know it's the truth, and you tell it with a heart of love, and they say to you, I don't believe you. How does that affect you? When you go to your kids and tell them something, and you know you're telling the truth, I don't believe you, I'll do what I want to. How does it affect you? It doesn't affect me very good. I don't think it does you either. But what about when you go to God? And you know exactly what God said. I won't leave you, I'll not forsake you. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. He that's in you is greater than the world. If you walk through the valley, I'll be with you. And, God's, and you say, God, I don't believe you. How do you think that makes God feel? Not good at all. Not good at all. Doubts and fears are the breeding ground to sin. Many a man has become an alcoholic because he's afraid if he told his buddies, no, I'm not going to you Friday night. To the, to the hall and watch the girls and drink your whiskey. I'm not going. I'm going home to my wife and to my children. They didn't say that. They said, I'll go with you because y'all kicked me out of the group. And the best thing that would ever happen to you is get kicked out of the group. But you see, we don't want to be rejected. Why, why does a young man or a young lady compromise their purity for somebody of the opposite sex when God's word is so clear in that? about the sanctity of marriage, why would they ever do that? I don't want to be rejected. I want to be your girlfriend. 
I want to be your boyfriend. I want everybody to know that me and you are just like this. So whatever that takes, that's what we're going to do. Fear of rejection. Rather than say, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. As for me, I believe that God said, I'll not withhold any good thing from you, and I'm not going to go for the counterfeit. I'm going for the real thing. And I'm going to walk with you, God, and I am going to trust you. Fear brings a lot of sin with it. A person that believes God and fears no man fights temptation, while the man who doubts God falls into every temptation. It is so, so easy. So our final promise is, be not dismayed, for I am your God. Isaiah 41.10. Be not dismayed, I am your God. A little girl walked in. Her daddy had passed away suddenly. And she was in her preteen years. And she saw her mama crying because her daddy had died, her mother's husband had died, and mama was just beside herself. And from the mind of a little child, never having seen her mother cry like she was crying, said, Mother, is God dead? Is God dead? You say, but I have gone through death in the family. Is God dead? Well, I think that I'm going to die. Is God dead? No, of course not. He lives. He lives. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. God is not dead. He is risen, as he said, and he sits on the right hand of the Father. And Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If you know your weakness, God will strengthen you. If you're lost and unsaved today, you've never asked Christ in your life, doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are, it has to do with you understand you're a sinner and are you willing to repent and trust God as your Lord and your Savior. If so, you can be saved today. When our oldest son was born and began to grow up two years ahead of his brother, we went on a little vacation. I remember this experience when he was to that age where he wanted to help us unload the car at the hotel. And I remember I got a bag, and he reached in there and got a bag, and when he got the bag, he, he, the bag fell, and he fell right on top of it. There wasn't a way in the world he could pick that bag up. Well, you know, people waiting to unload behind us. So you know what I did? And I did it very quickly. I put my bag over on the curb, and I reached back, and I picked up the bag and him. And I had him in one hand, the bag in the other hand, and I put him safely over on the curb. That's what God does when you fall. He picks up the load, and while he's at it, he just picks up you. And he carries you, and he sets you down. And he said, I hope you learned something from that, because there's going to be a lot of times in life when you're going to fall. And if you don't have faith, you're going to live your life in fear. And if you live your life in fear, you're going to be the most miserable creature on earth. If you're frightened of your own shadow. Have you heard that one? And God says, 
no weapon is formed against you is going to prosper. I am your God. I am your refuge and your strength. And I will go with you. I will help you, verse 10, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Wow. Now that scripture belongs to all of us that know him. To those that do not. You cannot anticipate a life where goals are reached. If you do not know the Lord, you're going to experience a life of unreached goals, insufficient resources, many setbacks, constant failures that are irreversible unless you walk with him. Trust Jesus. Claim the promise like Paul in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. You want to finish it with me? Through Christ, which strengthens me. That's where the strength that's where the power is. That's the reason God can say, fear thou not. This is not your battle. It's my battle, and I win, and you can help me celebrate. Yes. We offer you the opportunity to do that today with heads bowed and eyes closed. We're so thankful that you've chosen to spend this hour with us in worship at Sagemont. For those of you that have watched on the Internet in various parts of the world, those that have listened by radio, Now's the moment of decision. Now it's time. If it was a ball game, the whistle blows, the ball is snapped. Life must go on. Now we'll either go out of here walking in victory or we'll go out of here just like we came in walking in defeat. God will love you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do to change the situation that you're lost except come to Jesus. And there's nothing else you can do in good works that would make God love you anymore. No works of righteousness that you do will ever save you. You've got to repent, turn, confess, trust Jesus. And Jesus says, welcome. We're going to start over again, and I'm going to be with you. And you'll have no reason to fear. So while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, You've heard, you have spoken to my heart today. I need Jesus in my life. I want to help encourage you to do something about it. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and we're going to close the service in just a brief moment. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to know that I know that I'm saved, born again. God lives in me, and I can walk out of here regardless of how I came in, all the things I was frightened about. I can walk out with faith having come in with fear because God's going to walk out of here with me. If you would like to say to the Lord, I want you in my life today and I want to know you're there and I am not sure, I want you to just stand with me while every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you are in that person, that group, I want you to just stand with me right now. All over this building, just stand with me for just a moment. God bless you. Just stand for just a moment. Now, this is between you and God. It's a very personal thing. It is a very private thing. But would you just stand with me in the balcony, on the main floor? I want Jesus Christ in my life today. And I want to do something about it as we close the service. Would you stand? We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.